Welcome to Want Her, a community-driven podcast for the like-minded female, passionate about creativity, self-discovery, and letting out that inner weird. Brought to your earholes by two cross-country friends, we want to project one thing. Self-discovery is a lifelong journey, and one that should be fun experiencing. Here, no topic is off-limits. We're just like you, striving for connection, laughter, and the continual reminder that we can actually be whatever the f*** we want. Here's Olivia and Sandy. Hello! <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Wand Her. Yeah, we have another fun guest on today. Why don't you say hi? Hi, everybody. <laughs> My name is Lauren Rorick. Yay! We're Yay. so excited to hear all about her story and share it with you guys. It's going to be a good one. Yeah, she reached out to us, and there was just a lot of stuff where I was like, immediately, yes. So she's got a hiking background. So for me, I'm like, I want to know more, especially when she was like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, we were talking back and forth in May, and then Mm -hmm. radio silence, and I knew what was going on, because you were like, I'm preparing to go hiking in France. So I was like, no worries. That's what's going on. But then October comes along. She's like, hey, I've resurfaced. And I'm like, let's go. So (laughs) I did to talk about all of that. And then also there's a cool like side story that she thought about potentially talking about, which was her history with being uh, raised Mormon. So that's a cool little um, side story that we'll definitely dig into, but you know us, we got to start with a game. This one we were talking about the three of us before we hit record. Cause I come up with those and I was like, oh. I always try and tie it into the topic of the day, but this one was kind of hard. So I was like, maybe there's something that each of us have individually from our childhood, whether that's like a family dynamic or religious thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know, traditions in the holiday, something like that, that we do not do anymore whatsoever. <laughs> and we all have one. It's a little, you know, Sandy's is quirky. quirky. Mine's very stereotypical 90s that we were talking about. So we're going to run through those and then we'll get into all things Lauren. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Who wants to go first? Sandy? Sure. I, just <laughs> I love it. You it got is very quirky. Um, <laughs> And it was like when we would eat a meal at dinner at the table and we would have our plates full as kids, obviously, and we would finish everything on our plate. My dad would give us, we called it a star. So just, he just drew a star on our forehead with his finger and was like, good job. You finished everything on your plate. (laughs) Obviously I don't have kids to carry that on, but I probably won't. I don't know. I think it's still adorable, whatever, but (laughs) I mean, you don't need to finish everything on your plate. <laughs> yeah, I definitely cute. that topic has changed too, where it's like yeah. the clean plate club is a little bit not as highly encouraged anymore. Exactly. But knowing your family just through Snapchat thus far, I cannot see your dad doing something like that. It sounds like something your like quirky mom would do. So no. it makes me more excited to meet him someday. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Liv, do you want to share yours? I can. And while you were saying that, it kind of had me thinking. So like mine's stereotypical 90s. I was going to talk uh-huh. about how like every single meal, my mom would force us to drink a glass of milk and like I can't even (laughs) drink plain white milk anymore at all I don't go near this stuff um but 
it also made me think about, so I'm in the middle of two brothers growing up and we would put like the cereal boxes around each other so we wouldn't have to see each other while we were eating if we were like really oh. irritated too. <laughs> Did you guys do that at all? No. I mean, uh, no, but I like the idea. It makes sense to me. <laughs> Give me my own space, okay? Yeah, right. <laughs> Let's see you. All right. What about I you, Lauren? I'm so sorry. There's like someone gardening outside with like a leaf blower can you guys hear that we've had a bulldozer in the back of one of our episodes before so like you do what you can this is real life (laughs) i was like oh of course now exactly this is the time yes please do not worry about it (laughs) okay briefly we'd spoken about you know being raised mormon and our childhoods and whatever um and as far as traditions i was having a hard time coming up with something but something that i did come up with that is very different in my life now than like when i was a kid is like, my family was an absolutely, like, no alcohol family. And it wasn't necessarily, like, by choice. It's not that we were all like, oh, I wish we could get drunk all the time. But it's just, like, it's a, it's not a thing you do in the church. There's no drinking. Um, but now, as an adult, I'm, like, in my 30s. And my, you know, my parents are older. And, like, we've all, in our own time, like, left the church. And now, I think it was during COVID that, like, I sat down with my mom and we had a glass of wine. And I was like, this is the funniest thing that's. But like, are we are we doing this? Is this happening? Really? Like, oh, hey, yeah. like, okay, is this, okay, okay. And then have since, you know, had uh, some rather entertaining evenings with my parents. Where like you really, it's it's those moments when you're like, oh, your parents are like real people. And we played like a drunk yeah. game of Cards Against Humanity with my parents, which was like, oh, okay, okay. We're just like we're going for it. We're going for it. So that was really entertaining. So not is- not a tradition, but like a really big like switch up, which is yeah, quite- one eighty. That's amazing. Yeah. Were you guys the same way with coffee? Are you a coffee drinker now? I love coffee now. Yeah. Yes. And always, like, as a kid, I loved the smell of it. And I was like, oh, my God, I just want to drink coffee. Or, oh, my gosh, I really want to drink coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's one thing I really don't understand about Mormonism. Like, I get the alcohol thing because that's kind of a little bit taboo across the board. But, like, coffee, totally. is it just because it's, like, some kind of alteration in your body that that's the issue? Generally speaking, yes. It, you, they used to say it's because of the caffeine content. But then, like, you can go drink 18 Pepsis and it's like, ah, oh, whatever. Yeah. So it doesn't, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of it. It's just generally, but <laughs> coffee is a weird one. I did not know that was a thing. Yeah. So like in the, in the, in the book, it's technically like no hot drinks, which is interpreted to mean like no coffee or like caffeinated tea, but like herbal tea is okay. And hot chocolate is okay. So it doesn't, oh. like it really makes a lot of sense. Oh. Yeah. Where are you guys at with like broth and soup? I know, right? <laughs> where are you at with a nice pot of soup? I love these are these are all good questions yeah and we're definitely not trying to trash or like speak badly about that it's just differences are very interesting and that's one of the things that we kind of like to talk about anyway so Mm -hmm. we'll probably ask some more questions as we dive into that side of you a little bit further but let's let's get into you now so general introduction to all things lauren let's Mm -hmm. talk about you like I don't know. I just have so many questions. Bring it on. All of them are like hiking related. So I got to stop because that can be later on. But like your background, who are you? Where are you now? Because I I know you were in France, but are you still like all of these things? What do you do as a career? Just anything you want to share about (laughs) you. Here's the time to do it. Ah, Okay. Go on. These are always complicated questions. So I'm Canadian originally. I grew up in Lethbridge, Alberta. 
just like a small city in southern Alberta, not too far from the U.S. border. Um, I currently, when I'm not like on a trail or here in California, I live in Vancouver. Okay, so that is that's technically where my apartment is and where where I most of the time spend my time is in Vancouver, right. British Columbia. Uh, for work. I do a lot of things simultaneously, but most recently I've been working in film as a set decorator. So I build and design and decorate movie sets, mostly cool. for like the trash Hallmark movies because sorry, I love Hallmark I call them movies. trash, but like you know what I mean, like cheesy Hallmark movies. Because like, my favorite. Yeah, they're super fun to work on because they're like make this whole cul-de-sac look like Christmas barfed all over it, and you're like, yeah, okay, awesome. So they're really fun to work on, and like just, yeah, it's so much Christmas and you come home like covered in glitter every day and it's yeah it's it's quite entertaining oh i can already God. tell sandy like wants to take a slight sidebar onto that yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh i love that okay so where's that where's that based that's in vancouver so they make a lot of movies in vancouver mostly it's one of those cities that can kind vancouver. of look like anywhere what like how did you get into that did you yes. go to college for something related to that or <laughs> No, I, my first degree was in vocal performance back in like, you know, 2007, like a million years okay. ago. But uh, then I studied, I got a degree in business, uh, like international business. And I did that in Taiwan and then like worked in Germany for a long time uh, in marketing and did that. And then ended up having to come back to Canada and then worked in sales and marketing for a long time. And then basically COVID hit and I lost my job and everything got all chaotic. Mm-hmm. And I was just helping out on a like a student short film, basically, of the boom pole operator. So I was just standing there holding a microphone above my head for like three days. And uh, while I wasn't holding the microphone, I didn't have anything to do. And these guys from the art department were a bit shorthanded. So I was like, oh, well, I have two hands and they're not holding anything. Like, let me help you. Um, so I just started helping out in the art department. And that's what the set decorators are part of. They're part of the art department. And then at the end of, the, of this video we were producing, they were basically like, wow, looks like you kind of know what you're doing and I was like yeah I can use power tools and I know how to paint stuff and they were like great do you want a job and I was like actually that sounds super fun and then from there I worked on a couple of like really cool commercials and then just I talked to everybody I never shut up and so (laughs) basically just kind of like built connections and made some friends and then from there just started doing that nearly full time um but contract to contract which is nice because then i can run away to france for four months yeah 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 oh that's amazing yeah so it was totally by accident it's just one of those like i was always like a crafty kid and i like to do arts and crafts and whatever and i guess now i get to do them as an adult and that's pretty great that's the dream right there yeah Yeah. sandy's her own like quirky chic boutique like online boutique she like yes. i'm a photographer so, oh so yeah you would love set deck yeah, yeah. exactly she's big time into decorating her house she used to yeah. see it it's like a pinterest yeah. magazine situation and then there's me like last night i'm crocheting and my husband is like you're really in this like grandma era right now <laughs> that's what Alex tells me when Normal. i crochet too i love it <laughs> Grandma core. What are you gonna do? <laughs> old souls. I'm interested to know. Like, do you have any siblings? I do. I'm the oldest of. There's five of us all together. Okay. Um, oh, it's a blended family. So I've got like a okay. sister and a brother. They're both in their 30s, like me. 
And then uh, I have a stepsister who's in her early 20s and then a half-sister who is 14. So there's a big old gap. Yeah. Okay. Are any of them, like the older ones, really into travel like you? Or like what brought this about in you? Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's a good question. I think <laughs> in large part it was simply um, trying to get away from my hometown because it was so boring that I was like, I will go anywhere else, anywhere else. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was a, I was a choir kid, like super in the choir. And I was like in three different choirs and I got lucky and we got to do some traveling and we actually got to go to Europe a couple of times and like do tours and sing and whatever. Um, so when I was like 14, I went to Europe for the first time and I was like, Whoa, this is awesome and I just sort of told myself like I'm gonna live here and then I mean it took me until I was 25 but I did eventually move there and uh yeah so I think I'd always had the itch to just like go somewhere new and like see new things and I just like my world was very small where I grew up and I just thought like there's there's definitely more out there and I need to go see it and uh so when I was like 17 I moved away I moved to California and just like went to university and college whatever and then I think kind of from there, my family was like, wait, we can leave? Like, we can leave? Or we can go somewhere else? And then, like, you know, they, my sister also did a bit of traveling with school and whatever. And then she ended up moving. Like, she lives in Australia now. And my mom moved to California. So we all just sort of dispersed. And uh, we all do a lot more traveling now just because there's there's a lot to see in the world. There is. That's cool, though. It kind of sounds like you were the catalyst to it, yeah. a little bit of like that cycle breaking going on where you're like, I'm just going to go off and do what I want in the coolest way. Exactly. Um, and I mean, for me, I'm a travel nurse. I, I mean, retired oh, cool. at the moment. I yeah. live in an RV and I didn't start until I was 25 either. So like, I think there's a little bit of that, like gaining confidence in young adulthood before you can do that. And now you're off like hiking in France and I'm so like, obsessed to get to that topic, obviously. But there. Um, I guess yeah. kind of segue into that. How did you get into hiking specifically or had you always kind of in your childhood? So I, where I grew up, it's the prairies. It's very flat, but it's not far from the Rocky Mountains, uh, which are beautiful. If you've heard of like mm-hmm. Banff or... Oh, girl. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. If you know hiking, you've heard of Banff, yes. <laughs> I lost my toenails in, in uh, Banff from Frostbite. So yeah, I know. No! Banff. <laughs> oh my God! Banff knows you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry to interrupt. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> While my family was, like, not particularly outdoorsy, um, I had access to hiking. Yeah. Um, Like, girls camp, you know, we would go hang out in the mountains for a few days at a time or, like, you know, do a day hike with, like, all my extended family a couple times a year or something like that. So hiking was always just, like, a fun activity we did just, Mm -hmm. like, as a family or something. Um, But not very often, you know. It was, like, a couple times a year. But I always really, really liked it. Um, And then it's something I kind of kind of kept up with as an adult like not like a hiker but it was like a fun activity that I enjoyed doing Um, but it really wasn't until I'd say my late late 20s like almost 30 that I really got into backpacking and that was sort of simply because I'd heard of the Pacific Crest Trail and I just decided like oh that sounds really long and difficult I must do that even though I'd never been backpacking before um so and do it solo or with someone else solo wow i love that that's oh so gosh bad. no <laughs> that is i could never i could never so I'd be surprised. <laughs> that's amazing 
Yeah. So these are like little short versions, but we can dive into yeah. whatever you like. I don't want to like steer the conversation. I'm still stuck on Mormonism a little bit. Um, yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you said you left when you were like 17? No. So the, yeah. So the weird thing, I guess I will also preface this, like a bunch of my extended family is still Mormon and they're lovely and you know, whatever. I never want to like trash anyone's beliefs or religions. It like personally for me doesn't work. Do I have a lot of like issue with the Mormon church as an organization? Absolutely. Do I have issues with individual people? No. Um, so just, just a little preface. Absolutely. Um, so I, you know, was very like deeply involved in the church growing up. Uh, it's like, it's, it's just a big part of your life and your community. Southern Alberta has a lot of Mormons. Like it's a big population. I didn't know that. I know. It's like right north of Utah. And I guess the pioneers were like, let's go. And so they all brought their hand carts and settled in Southern Alberta or something. There's a lot of history there that I don't remember how it works, but there were, there's a lot of them there. Um, and it's, yeah, it's like, it's not that far from Utah. Like you could drive there in 12 hours, which by Canadian standards is not that long. <laughs> like you tell someone in France that you're driving for 12 hours and they're like, yeah, pardon me? Yeah. That is like four countries. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so true. Um, so there's a big community of them there. So like a big chunk of my friends growing up were Mormon. And like in high school, we, you know, they you had to go to what's called seminary, which is like basically Bible study or like mm-hmm. the Mormon. Okay. But you go every morning at 7 a.m. Oh, wow. Every yeah, morning. like before high school. Can you imagine? Like, no. What time does high school start? Because high school starts at seven thirty. So is it like a? I mean, for me, so was it like a quick thing? Yeah, or like eight ten. I want to say. Okay. So yeah, we'd be like seven to like just seven fifty maybe, and then you. It's right across the street from the high school, so you just walk wow. over to your morning classes. So okay. we do that like every morning, and then like Wednesday nights are like young women's, where you're like with the girls, and you're learning how to like be a wife and a mom which like Sunday you have three hours of church so it's just like it's a big part of your life you spend like hours and hours and hours every week involved in this community and then you're doing like service hours and you're also doing like these projects on like you know teaching you to be a good woman and those kinds of things um so you're spending a lot of time involved in this community I know I know (laughs) you see our faces I have a question so right now we're planted in southern Utah and we've only been there for like been here for like a little over a month or so Mm -hmm. so I'm very much seeing and learning a little bit more about Mormonism as I'm here longer Mm-hmm. And I was talking to a friend and she's dating a guy that's family is still involved in the church, but he's not. And right. she was telling me about how there's like all these, I don't know what to call them, like sectors is probably not the right word, but like different mm-hmm. levels of it um, for you. And I don't mean to be blunt. It's just like a, an ignorance, a lack of you know, oh, exactly. about it. Were you like dressing a certain way? Like where were you mm-hmm. at in the mm-hmm. tier of seriousness? Mm-hmm. And not to be, like, totally cliche, but, like, also, I don't know how to ask this, and maybe you know where I'm going, but, like, were you involved where, like, men had multiple wives? Okay. so ignorant, but, like, I don't know much. I'm in Wisconsin, so so I, like, we have no Mormons, barely, uh, in Wisconsin. You'd be surprised. Really? (laughs) (laughs) They're everywhere. Uh, (laughs) No. I guess that's my ignorance. No, totally. I appreciate that. Um, so in like the very beginning of the Mormon church back in like the 1800s or whatever it was, um, you know, Mr. Joseph Smith founded this church and, 
in the sort of original interpretation of the church, men did have multiple wives. Um, it then, however, became illegal in the U.S. to do that. So, like, the mainstream Mormon church uh, decided to, like, abandon that practice, mostly so that they could, like, fit in with, like, mm. the wider world and not be so, like, persecuted and mm-hmm. whatever. And they were trying to gain power politically and, like, get more members. And, like, this was kind of a sticking point for a lot of people. They were like, that's not very cool. So eventually they sort of abandoned the practice. But there are other like versions of Mormonism that have like branched off that continue to do that. And those are the ones you see in like the Netflix documentaries. It was like, yeah, you know, keep sweet, whatever that one that came out where they dress in like the bonnets and the pioneer clothes and that kind of thing. Um, Mainstream Mormonism, they're really good at marketing and they were like, people don't like that stuff. So they've sort of abandoned that and they've gone to a more like palatable version where it's like a bit more Christian-y. Um, so there's okay. there's no polygamy. You don't have to wear the like traditional clothes, but you do still have to wear once you are like married. You have to wear the very particular set of underwear. Um, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> what? It look like bloomers. They're like knee length white, like full body like underwear. That you Why? Why is um, that a thing? You know, in the summer, like you weren't sure. Yeah, it's so hot. I was living in Taiwan and it's like third, you know, like a hundred degrees every day and you're just sweating your ass off. These are the worst. You know, they're supposed to protect you and remind you of all the like promises that you've made to God (gasps) and mostly just keep it so you can't wear regular clothes. You have to like be modest all the time and cover your shoulders and cover your knees and like, you know, not be a temptation to anybody. Oh, Did the guys have anything significant? I know that, like, yeah. even driving around, I see some, like, teenage young adult boys walking around in that, like, white shirt, navy or dark yeah, pants, the little like, their little mission thing. But, like, yeah. other than that, is there anything that really sets them apart? Like, did I, I mean, I, I get there's a difference with, like, male and female. That's across the board with religion yeah. and modesty and stuff. But, like, any, I don't want to say weird, but, like, unique situations or mm-hmm. things that they have to participate in not typically they also have to wear a particular type of underwear but it's like a t-shirt and boxers for them like it's not that far off from like what you normally wear as a dude whereas like as a woman it's super different than like the regular underwear I would normally wear um and then you know there are things about keeping your hair clean and like most most Mormons would say like it should be short and like clean shaven and whatever like like, really tidy I guess um but really, no, no. Do they have anything with like facial hair? You know, mm. it used to be like if you're on a mission, you have to be clean shaven, like okay. baby face. Um, but as a just like a regular member, you can have you can have facial hair. I think it's again just like kind of clean and keep it neat and tidy, those kinds of things. But you'd see so a lot of Mormons with clean faces. It really is. <laughs> So it sounds like you weren't raised in that, like, super strict version of it. Yeah, so not the, like, fundamentalist, like, multiple wives version. It was more like the, it was the traditional sort of, like, uh, what you'd see across the board for Mormons today. Like, you walk around, like, Salt Lake or something, you know, you go to, it's not Times Square, it's Temple Square, that's the word. And, uh, like, those are all the kind of, like, regular Mormons that you'd see there. Okay. Any, like... I keep seeing it through the filter because I grew up in Northeast Ohio and there's like a, 
branch of Christianity that kind of is sounding similar to that. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't want to generalize things, but it's called apostolic. I don't know if that rings a bell for either one of you, but, and I don't want to say anything that's not true, but there were a lot of those families in the high school that I grew up in. And one of my friends still is involved in the church. And like, it was kind of similar where the girls, once they joined the church, couldn't wear makeup, had to wear skirts, had to wear their hair up. Like Mm -hmm. the adults that were part of the church, like weren't supposed to have TVs in their home and couldn't attend like their children's sports activities, like just interesting things like that. um, That's kind of ringing a bell, but I know that there's some like in Oregon and Indiana, um, but other than that, like, I don't know, it's just this weird thing where it's like, I know it exists. And now I'm kind of feeling that again, because I'm in a community where there's like something different than what I'm used to. So it's sticking out when yeah. I do see it. It's just like, totally. this kind of stuff fascinates me. Me too. Yeah, it's super interesting. And from the outside, you probably wouldn't recognize a Mormon as like anything different. They don't, you know, they have a television. There are like, you know, you're not supposed to watch rated R movies or like things with nudity or sex or like swear words or those kinds of things. So like kind of, kind of normal-ish. And then, you know, there's the no coffee, no tea, no sex before marriage, like those kinds of like, I don't know, I guess I'm saying like regular Christian things, but they're, I don't know if they're regular. They're not that regular, I guess. I mean, (laughs) my experience, but it's really regular from my experience with Christianity as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what happens if you would break a rule or anything? It depends on the severity of the rule oh, that you broke. Really? Yeah. So typically, if you like break a commandment or you sin, you are. If it's like a small sin, like oh, I had a, I don't know, like I had a bad thought about a boy or something, you know, then you're you can deal with those on your own. You pray to God and you ask okay. for forgiveness okay. and you know, you can like take those matters into your own hands. But if it's something bigger, like um I mean maybe sex before marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Have sex before marriage or something, that's something you need to confess to your bishop in like an interview, basically. So this man oh. and everyone in positions of power has not been like elected. They've just been appointed. Um, and they you, typically it's an, it's an unpaid volunteer position that you've just been like told you have to do basically. So these people are not trained to like deal with this kind of stuff. It's like mm-hmm. it's just a regular dude that's probably your neighbor, and you have to go in and tell him, and he can ask you whatever questions you want or he wants, right? So he can get into whatever details he feels are necessary for your like repentance process. Oh yeah. my god, which is a whole problem. You're alone in a room so with problematic. a man. With a man. With a man, yeah, alone in a room. And they start these interviews. They actually, so like, yes, if you sin or like do something bad, then you have to go like of your own volition, go confess and deal with that. And then they sort of like hand out an appropriate punishment for something like having sex outside of marriage. A lot of the time they will like kind of publicly shame you in that they will take away your like public prayer privileges and your like the sacrament privileges. So sacrament is like they pass the bread and water down the rows when you're in the congregation like in the church so everyone can see if you're taking it or not taking it so if you're not allowed to take it everyone can see that oh that person did not take it so clearly they've done something bad and we all know my god i know so it's like everyone knows oh everyone knows and it's super gossipy any time you get like a big congregation of people that are like kind of competing to be perfect you're gonna get gossip and like rumors oh exactly yeah. Um, but as far as like 
these sort of like worthiness interviews go, they conduct them regularly with people so that they can make sure that you're en- like worthy to enter the temple. So these big, beautiful like temple buildings mm-hmm. kind of scattered all over the world. If you're in Utah, they're everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Giant, like gorgeous white buildings. And you can only go in them if you've like passed the test of like being worthy, which is like they ask you, you know, are you drinking any coffee? Did you have any alcohol? Like, do you believe in this? Do you have a testimony of the church? Like, you know, they ask you all these questions and they start doing those questions when you're like 12. And it's like, yeah, it's like you're alone in a room with a man and you're 12 and they're asking about your like impure thoughts. And it's like <laughs> generally kind of inappropriate. Yeah, like oh, as an adult, I'm like, oh my, my God. God. I know. And it's just to like make sure that you're worthy. And like as a kid in the church, like you really don't think about it. You're like, yeah, of course. And I like, I was also like, such a like a goody two shoes I was like such a rule follower and I'm like I'm not gonna do anything wrong because you know then I'm gonna like get punished and you know whatever so I was like very good at those things so I never thought like oh this is problematic but then I look back at it as, as an adult and I'm like oh wow yeah this is like this is problematic this is a problem yeah, yeah. wow uh, yeah thinking so about I'm uh, thinking about me as a 12 year old and like into my early teens and like right the first thing that comes to mind is just how Twilight crazed I was. Oh my god! <laughs> the idea of like talking to a, a man in the church about like my thoughts about Edward. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's so evident how, like, at least for me and how I would see it, is like your motivations are skewed because you don't want to be punished or have that shame exactly. in the community that you're not really doing it out of your own volition. Right. Yeah. And that's exactly it. And that's a, it's a big part of what I struggled with just generally, like even as a teenager, I was like, I just, and there were, there were rules that didn't make sense to me. And there were things that didn't make sense to me. And just this, this idea that there's like this loving benevolent God who created you in his image, but he made you not the right way and he made you with mistakes and he made you like things that he doesn't want you to like and like I just was like that why would he do that it that seems so mean and cruel and strange and I just couldn't wrap my head around that idea that like I was created by a god that like is supposed to love me but ultimately is kind of torturing me and it didn't make any sense yeah this is like an interesting conversation because I still identify as a Christian, but there are like things that I really, really have issues with. And it comes back to like the church and the people that represent this God that I have different opinions about where it's like, I get so irritated. And these are even conversations that I have with like close family members where it's like this God that we're supposed to be like having such a close relationship is so known for grace. And yet, suddenly we find it to be our job our like our own we're imperfect but we find it to be our job to judge and like ridicule other people like that is so backward to my mind that I get fired up so easily um I do have a question so I know we're going to kind of talk about your deconstruction but like at that point in your life how old are you are you did you get married when you were still practicing what did that kind of chapter look like? If you feel comfortable sharing, of course. Yeah, thank you. No, you're good. I'm just trying to piece the, the like <laughs> the timeline together. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, as a like as a teenager, still heavily involved. My whole family's very involved. And then I moved to California at like 17, and I start going to college. 
and I'm like still involved because there's a community down there. Um, but like, it's also college and I'm like, Oh, there's so much fun stuff going on. And yeah. I like slowly stop kind of going and I like, probably stop going for about a year and then end up like meeting some like Mormon friends in one of my classes. They're like, Oh, you should totally come back. And I was like, Oh, do I need to? But like this, like, uh, it's not like a guilt, but it's like a, I don't know. Cause it's also something that your entire family and like every adult influence in your life has told you like this is the truth and this is what is right and like this is what you need to do and like this is important and so like you grow up with that and that's your foundation for like Mm -hmm. the way that you see the world right like this is important and this is what you need to do and like even if maybe you're not feeling it like you this is important and this is what you need to do and it's like okay Mm -hmm. so it's like yep you're right you know I need to come back and whatever and it got reintegrated into the community and the church and whatever and got really into it and uh I mean Basically, like your job once you're 18 is to like find a husband and get married and like like, (laughs) that's what you're supposed to do. And it's what they focus on. They put you in a singles ward, which is a congregation of only single adults, 18 to 30. And so you're surrounded by all of your peers and they're just teaching you about like eternal families and like finding your partner and like, you know, it's really heavy emphasis on like building a family and like let's get this going guys like let's go like all these boys are coming back from their missions because they've you know they have to go serve a mission for two years um women it's optional but men it's required um so they you know they've all been away for two years and then they come back and they're 21 and there's a fresh group of 18 year olds and you know it's just horny sorry boys in dorm rooms teaching people for two years and they come back and they're like oh my god there's girls everywhere yeah you know and then uh yeah so i mean like the thing you're supposed to do to like be be righteous and be on your path is to like get a husband and get married and get busy (laughs) so when i was 20 oh yeah loads of pressure loads of pressure and I like held off and held off, which like in the real world is not a long time, but yeah. all the way until I was almost 21 before I got married. So I was wow. old. I was getting like, are you, is there something wrong with you? Like what's going on? Mr. <laughs> Lauren over here. <laughs> no, joke. no joke. It's hilarious. Oh my. Okay. Uh, yeah. So then, uh, so then that's, that's, uh, that's what I did, but I still had to do it in a way that was like unusual. So okay. <laughs> boyfriend and I at the time um I I had like just I was at a junior college for the first two years and I wanted to transfer and I had applied to two universities one was in Hawaii and one was in British Columbia so like I was leaving regardless I was like all right like I'm out of here like bye boyfriend and he was like what I thought we were like gonna get married and I was like I'm not gonna marry you and just what stay in California and live in your parents house gross no (laughs) I was like I'm Canadian like I can't even be here past my student visa he was like oh well like hmm so I think he got creative and was like well I want to do this like study abroad program in Taiwan and I was like oh that actually kind of sounds interesting and it was like a year long he wanted to just do like an exchange year and um I was like, oh, well, I mean, that's something I could be interested in. Maybe we go to Taiwan together. And he's like, well, we can't just, like, live in Taiwan together. And I was like, oh, you're right. He's like, we have to get married. I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. We do. And so so we got married and we moved to Taiwan. Oh, my gosh, Lauren. And then we lived there for, like, three and a half years. 
Um, and weirdly, there is a large Mormon community in Taiwan. Really? Big one. We were heavily involved in the church over there. Yeah. I would not expect that, but whoa. Mm-hmm. I know, right? Of all the places. Exactly. And yeah. then, okay, so the second you get married, is mm-hmm. your family, like your parents, just like, that's your husband's decision and almost like he's your protector now. I don't have any qualms with you going to Taiwan or were they kind of like, yeah. I'm scared like, for you. No, like so weird. I don't think been dating this boy. He's like, he was 21 or something, 22 for like four months. <gasps> I called my mom. I was like, Hey, so first of all, I have a boyfriend. And she's like, Oh, that's cool. And I was like, second of all, we're getting married and moving to Taiwan. And she's like, uh, excuse me? I was like, yeah, you know, uh, we're just going to get married. It's fine. And then we're going to move to Taiwan. And she's just like, okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Sure. Sure. And I was like, also, can you make a dad? Cause I don't want to call him. And she's like, okay. Okay. <laughs> the whole thing is just so weird. I just remember like sitting outside of my like college apartment, like in the hallway on the floor, like talking to my mom. And I was like, yeah, so this is a thing that's happening. And I was literally like 20 years old. Like it's just oh, such a bizarre, bizarre thing. Okay. Yeah. But then everyone's like super stoked for me. All of my family is like, finally, yeah, let's go. Like my grandmas and my aunts and my uncles, because all my cousins my age are married with kids already. Um, <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah. I was like, I was a late bloomer. All of my friends from high school were married and like, Whoa. We all got married in like the same year. There were like six of us girls. I mean, like all got married in 2010. It was just like the year of weddings. And uh, yeah. Whoa. yeah. So it's just a peer pressure and like all your friends are doing it. And like everyone's telling you it's the right thing to do. And you're like, okay, I guess we do this now. Like, let's, okay. Like he's, he's all right. Like, sure. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, yeah. I get it. Oh, wow. uh. I was young too, like right out of college, 22. I did feel that yeah. like, pressure a little bit too, but it wasn't necessarily for a religious reason. It was just kind of like the norm mm. from where right. I was from. Um, And I'm still married and like, we're kind of doing our own thing. All my family is still back in Ohio, but I just can't imagine like that feels, I already have an issue with the pressure that I experienced growing up and mm-hmm. then yours obviously is on like yeah. a whole other level. Yeah. So fast forward to kind of like whatever, I don't want to say made you wake up, but like what changed that you kind of started Mm -hmm. saying like, "Mm, this is weird. Like I'm going to maybe step back. Questioning things. Yeah. 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 I think a big part of it was moving to Taiwan because then like in California, I had my own life and my own friends. That's where I was going to college was in California. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I moved to Taiwan and I didn't speak Chinese at the time. Um, I had, you know, I had, that was something I had to learn once I got there. Um, so I was really dependent on my husband, which was like just a weird feeling. Um, you know, cause he had served his mission there. That's why we chose Taiwan. So he was oh, very okay. familiar. He had lots of friends. He like knew the language, knew the culture. So he was very like well established there. And I was like really on the outside and also just like my role as a, like a foreign woman is different than being a foreign man. Like he instantly got like a million cool points just for like being white i don't know it's a it's a weird dynamic yeah Um, when you're like foreign and a man and like you kind of are i don't know put in a strange position where people think you're interesting kind of by default um whereas like i was like married and young and didn't speak the language and i was just generally felt very out of place and like 
you look out of place as well. Like mm-hmm. I was living in a city where very few people spoke English. There were very few foreigners. Like I walk into a store, everybody stares at me because they know I'm not from here. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, a, you know, just, it's just a very like strange feeling when you come from a country where you are the majority and then you're dumped into a country where now you're the minority. And I was like, Oh, okay. This is a feeling that is new for me. This is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, uh, I mean, that's just a learning lesson all around anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also in the church, it was very clear that I was like a second class citizen. Like I was somebody's oh. wife and like, I never changed my last name when I got married, but they still called me by his last name. And that always bugged me. And oh, they would call me yeah, for sure. And I was like, excuse me, that's not my name. Like I never changed my name. But, oh, but you're like married. So that's what you are. I'm like, oh, but that's not my name. <laughs> and it used to just kind of bug me. Yeah. Um, understandably, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just really was feeling like I was, my identity was being chipped away at. Like I was no longer an independent person. I was like part of a pair. And like the other half of the pair got to like say all the things and make the decisions and be in charge. And I, was like, this, I hate this that so weird. much. Yeah, it's like super frustrating, especially as like an independent, outspoken woman. I was like, this is this is not sitting right with me. Mm-hmm. And just generally, like, I mean, the two of us, we were so young. We had no idea what we were doing. We didn't know how yeah, to be your kids. And we didn't know how to be married in a foreign country and navigate. And we were so broke. Like we went over and like <laughs> everything kind of fell apart. He was supposed to organize all of this stuff and he just didn't organize it. So we get there yeah. and like the jobs we were supposed to have lined up were not, they didn't exist. And like the apartment we were supposed to have didn't exist. And we get there and I'm like, what is going on? Like I sold my car to buy us these tickets to get here. And he was like, oh, we'll figure it out. And I was like, what? And we didn't have money to get back. And I was like, this is crazy. So like I was like standing on the street corner handing out flyers telling people that I was an English teacher and I was like hire me as an English teacher like just the craziest stuff so I eventually got a job teaching English and he got into school and whatever and we sort of like settled in but we were always just like very broke basically Mm -hmm. just very stressful and then you mix that all in with like being newly married and like being in the church and all of this stuff and there's just so much pressure a lot at once oh yeah yeah and also I hated teaching English I hated it so much (laughs) okay Teaching English to children is not my calling. It is is not what I'm made to do. Um, Uh, Children are cool, like one at a time. And right there with you, girlfriend. Not for me. When you have them in a classroom, I'm like, oh, oh, this, no, 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 no. I can't do it. Um, Anyway, so it's just like a very stressful period of my life, basically. And uh, it really just started making me question my role in the church and I was like you know I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to do and I was like really involved in the congregation and I had done all of like you know I was a Sunday school teacher and I was like a youth leader and I was like doing these things and I was very involved and I was like I just I'm trying so hard and none of it is working like you're supposed to be happy if you're doing all the right things that's what they tell you right you get blessings you're gonna be happy like that's what's going to happen. I was like, I have never been more miserable in my whole life. And I don't understand why, because I am doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing all the time. I'm busting my ass to like be good. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't working. And just, yeah, I just kept thinking like, there has to be like, this can't be it because I cannot spend my whole life doing this because it doesn't make any sense. And I'm going to be the saddest person in the world. Yeah. And also, like, the kids thing. All my friends were having kids. And I was like, man, I just don't. 
feel that. Like I just, it's not, it's not something that's in me. I don't know, you know, and I'm getting kind of a little bit of pressure from the church and from my husband. He's like, are we okay, going to, that was going to be my you know, we've been married for like three years. And he's like, are we like all of my other friends have kids? Like what's going on? And I'm still like, I don't really think I want to have a kid with you actually. Oh. Like, cause we're not, we're not in a good place and yeah. you're not very nice to me. And <laughs> this is not. I don't, if I have a kid, then we're stuck together forever. Exactly. You know, like you can get divorced, but you can't like give away your yeah. children. I mean, yeah, I guess you, technically you could, but you, you shouldn't. You have to <laughs> get along with them. Mm-hmm. So Whoa. you got, eventually got divorced then? Mm-hmm. So after I think three and a half years of living in Taiwan, I mean, realistically, it was only supposed to be a year, right? Yeah. We agreed on a year. And then a year comes by and he's like, oh, I think I'm just going to finish my bachelor's here. And I was like, oh. what? <laughs> Pardon me? Like, I have these two universities that I oh. put a deferral on that I need to go to. Oh, and he was like, yeah, God. no. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I ended up staying there for just a long time. And it really just came out that, like, he didn't ever want to leave. Like, he still lives there. Oh, we don't wow. Okay. He still lives there 10 years later. And so I think that was his plan all along. Like, oh, if we get there, she'll like it. We'll just stay there. I was like, oh, this is not working for me. I don't want to stay here. So I tried to, like, find other places to be. Like, I did an internship in Germany for, like, three months. And I, like, went to Bali and did a yoga teacher training for, like, a month. And I was like, okay, like, if I'm kind of hybrid, maybe it will work. But, like, in the end, it just didn't. I was like, I don't want to live here forever. And that's not what we agreed to. And uh, eventually, like, I mean, you just bicker and bicker and bicker. And we just were like, this is, this is not working. We're not having a good time. We don't want the same things. Like, yeah. we're not on the same page. And ultimately, yeah, we decided to split up. And that uh, more or less was really when we both left the church. Like, it wasn't really like okay. a decision. We just, okay. We're not married anymore. Then we don't have to do this. And it was just. Yeah, it was so strange. So he stayed in Taiwan. I ended up moving to Germany and taking a job in Berlin. And once I got to Berlin, I was like, oh, nobody knows me here. No one knows what I do. No one knows where I'm from. And Berlin is a really excellent city if you want to, like, be anonymous. There's so many people and there's so much stuff to do. And it's it's just a really cool city. And I was like, huh, I could just, like, be, be like a regular person here. Maybe no one will know. Plus, there's, like, no Mormons in Germany because the Germans are like, that's super weird. No. (laughs) Great. Um, So, yeah, I moved to Berlin, and then it was really, like, kind of immediate where I was just like, okay, no, I'm just, like, done with that. I'm just not going to do that anymore, which is – so it was almost like a – I'm not sure I really deconstructed until, like, in the last few years. I think I just skipped that and was like, well, we're just going to build a new life from scratch. It's fine. Everything is good. Now I live in Germany. Everything is fine. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I love that for you too, but I'm surprised because I guess I'm thinking about it in relation to kind of my experience. And I did have a little bit of the same thing, but I just moved across the country versus a completely new country um, on my own. Were you like afraid at all? I mean, at that point, it was the third country I'd moved to by myself, basically. So it was kind of like, nah, how hard can it be? That's impressive. That's amazing. You sort of get used to it and your like your comfort zone becomes bigger and just generally 
yeah, I think you just become braver. Your like baseline for yeah. bravery is like higher. So you're just like, oh, that's that's not even a hard thing. I'll just go to Germany. It can't be harder than Taiwan. So I think that was my baseline. It was like Taiwan yeah. was so difficult that I was like, oh, Germany will be like a breath of fresh air, basically. So are you learning the language while you're there too? Or there's a lot of English speaking that you don't necessarily need to learn it? So in Taiwan, I had to learn Chinese. So I right. just and then moving to Germany, the company I was working for, um, the base language at our office was English. And awesome. um, so a lot of my colleagues were German and they would speak German to each other. But like our work was done in English. So that was nice. Um, but like my day to day kind of societal interactions were all done in German. So I did learn a little bit so like, you know, enough to get around and get by. And like I was taking yoga and jujitsu and stuff. And like those classes were in German. So like my comprehension got pretty good. My speaking is still uh, like absolute trash, but uh, <laughs> my comprehension is pretty good. I was actually just in Berlin like a week ago on my way back home from France. And uh, I was like, oh, okay. Like I can still understand this. This is good. Okay. <laughs> this yeah. is nice. Oh, cool. like, my, my ability to speak the language is still terrible, but I know what you're, t- I know what you're saying to me. Oh. <laughs> This is amazing. Like, I feel yeah, like I it agree. Like, could be a book or something. Like, yeah. So <laughs> Maybe, one day. Maybe one day. Uh, exactly. Ooh, I love it. Let's start right, dreaming. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So then kind of shifting back into the hiking aspect. Yeah. I'm so excited. Tell, okay. tell us about France. Tell us what's in France. What brought yeah. you to France? All in <laughs> and obviously mentioned because... I didn't know it was a new trail, but like for anybody that's listening, then just like explain what you were doing since we spoke in May versus now. Just like, yeah, dive into hiking because I am a captive audience right now, girl. Yeah, let's talk about hiking. Yeah. So I got into this. um, So we call it through hiking, which is just like long distance backpacking. Typically, a through hike is something that's like more than a thousand kilometers or you know something like that it's like a long distance it takes you at least like a month maybe five um there are a number of through hikes all over the world um the first one that i did was kind of the famous pacific crest trail i'm sure you guys have read wild the reese witherspoon movie yeah so that was the first through hike i ever did and it was also like one of my first backpacking trips So I kind of just got the, like, this idea that I wanted to hike the Pacific Crest Trail. Um, I met a girl who was going to hike the Appalachian Trail, which is, like, a similar thing on the other side of the States. And I was like, you're going to what? You're going to walk from Georgia to Maine with a backpack? People do that? And I had no idea. Like, it was a completely foreign concept. And then she lent me a book, and I read the book. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is, like, really cool. And I just kind of fell in love with the idea of having that much freedom. I think that's what really drew me in in the first place was like, oh, this is like, this is what true freedom is. Like you're just walking around in the woods and no one's telling you what to do. You can sleep wherever you want. You can eat whatever you want. You can like walk as far as you like. I was like, that is so cool. And I think I was also in search of like community at that point in my life. And the hiking community is awesome especially the through hiking community. It's just a really cool group of like weirdos that all for whatever reason, like to it. suffer in the same way. <laughs> and then, yeah, cause it's not like, it's not an easy thing to do. It's like oh, pretty painful all the time and your body hurts and you're hungry and like you're no, smelly thanks. and hairy and dirty. And like, it's just, it's kind of a weird hobby. Um, so <laughs> 
2021, I did a southbound hike of the Pacific Crest Trail. So I started at the Canadian border, worked my way towards the Mexican border. There were a handful of sort of natural disasters along the way that rerouted me a bit, but <laughs> um, more or less did most of the Pacific Crest Trail, um, but really like caught the bug. I just completely fell in love with the lifestyle. I made a ton of friends, people who are still some of my closest friends today. Uh, yeah, it was really, really lovely. They're cool people. Um, and that, uh, yeah, I just, I just love it. I was like, oh, this is, this is the kind of thing that I like to do. And so a couple years later, I uh, was on Instagram and I follow this account called like through hiking or something. It's just like a generic through hiking page that posts trails and I, you inspiration, whatever. And this Hexatrek came up. So the Hexatrek just started in 2022. Oh, that was the first like inaugural, inaug inaugural, there we go. Nice. <laughs> and uh, it's founded by this guy named Kevin, who's a French guy who had hiked the Pacific Crest Trail a handful of years earlier. Okay. And, you know, his whole thing was like, France has all of these beautiful long distance trails, but no one's connected them all into like a proper through hike that goes like from end to end across the country. And so that was his sort of dream was to connect all of these trails and create this long distance hiking trail across France. So he did that. It's 3,034 3, kilometers, which is about 1,800 miles. Wow. Um, and 138 meters of climbing, of elevation. <laughs> 138,000 meters, sorry. 138,000 meters. Wow. Ever to 8,000 meters. So whatever 8,000 goes into 138. So it's like, it's a lot of climbing. It's a, oh, it's a lot of work. Um, my gosh. Yeah. So in 2022, he did it along with like a handful of pioneers and they went out and they like tested the route and then they put together like the map and whatever. And then they cool. set it free into the universe. I found it on Instagram and thought like, oh, that, now that looks cool. Not only is it in France, wow. which I thought like, that sounds kind of fun. Go back oh, to yeah. Europe. I like France. It's cool. But also like no one's done it. Because the PCT, like, ever, I feel like I know I'm in the through hiking community, but I'm like, everyone's done the PCT. It's very popular, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so to do this hexatrack, I'm like, oh, yeah, that sounds that sounds like something that uh, I would love to do because it's unspoiled. There's no, like, yeah. pictures, there's no vlogs, like, you don't know what's coming, you have no idea. And the, there wasn't any information about it, really. It was, there's a website, and they have an app that has the map on it, and that's, like, really it. I was like, all right, yeah, this is this is what's up. That's amazing then, that you felt that way. I would be like, okay, that's terrifying. No, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I think it's because I lived in Germany, like, I lived in Europe. I was like, okay, like, I get, I you know, I have a, an idea of how to at least get around over there. Like, I know yeah. how to navigate the country and so I felt pretty comfortable with that and I was like I know how to backpack so I'm sure it'll be fine it'll be fine it'll be fine wow. um, my life motto is sort of like how hard can it be and then you figure it out <laughs> yeah um so yeah then let's see May so just after I started speaking yeah. to you then I like peered into the woods um end of May I flew over and uh the trail starts in Wissenburg which is just right on the German border okay. and then kind of works its way south through what's called the Vosges, which is like quite a green and rolling and beautiful. Oh. And then pops into Switzerland for like a hundred kilometers and then dumps you into the Alps, like the French wow. Alps. What yeah. The heck? yeah. They're so beautiful. Oh. It's like you 
bust it out into the sound of music and you're like oh my god I know that's Austria but like it's it's very similar yeah um and it's beautiful and then you go through I mean you go like France is so diverse as far as landscapes go I had no idea like every you know 100 miles it's like a completely different universe and you're like whoa how did I get here this is so cool um and then you know you go into I mean, eventually you end in the Pyrenees and the Pyrenees are these like rocky, wild, beautiful mountains. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a very cool trail. It's beautiful. And not so to like toot long... your own horn. Yeah. Sorry, Sandy, but you, you emailed when you got back and you're like, I'm the first woman from North America to complete it. So like, let's just That's take true. a minute to say that. Oh, Damn. oh thank you. seriously. <laughs> so yeah, cool. So- yeah, so I was one of very few women who have completed the trail. I think maybe there's like 10 of us, and I'm the first one from North America. So I'm the first Canadian and the first North American woman to complete That's the trail. amazing. Yeah. Okay, so how long, yeah, did it end yeah. up taking you? <laughs> uh, it was 121 days total wow. that I was like out, and that includes, I think, about, I think it took like 12 rest days. Okay. Was sprinkled in there, which is like one every ten days, I guess. Yeah. Um, wow. Uh, yeah, it was. I think about twenty-five to thirty kilometers of hiking most days. Some days were a lot more, some days were less, but I think on average it was probably like twenty-eight to thirty kilometers a day, which I guess is like twenty miles. And you were by yourself most yeah. of the time. Yeah. So this one was interesting. So like compared to the PCT, which is very social because there's so many people out there. Mm-hmm. Um, this one was a much more solo undertaking, which I kind of wanted. Like, it's what I was looking for, which was very cool. Um, but I only met maybe a dozen other hexa trekkers while I was out there. And yeah, I hiked with, I mean, I, I think I only met like two women while I was out there, like who were hexa trekkers. So it was mostly just like me and the guys. Um, and because there were so few of us, you usually ended up hiking with like one, maybe two other people, or you like camp and you bump into people and it's kind of, you're just leapfrogging each other all the time. Like there's, you know, you see someone and then two weeks later, you're like, Oh, Hey, good to see you again. Cause you're all just kind of doing your own thing. Um, and I did hike with a couple of different people for longer stretches. Um, I hiked with this guy from the Czech Republic for like, I think almost a month maybe. Um, and that was really fun. We did like all of the Alps together. Um, and then eventually we just like decided we wanted to go different paces and do different things. We're like, cool, like, see you later. And then in the Pyrenees, I hiked with a guy for like maybe three weeks or something, but the rest of it was pretty much just me. And then, you know, you bump into people here and there, but it was a lot of like solo time. Do you feel like out of all of the through hikes that you've done that it was the most challenging? Ah, that's tricky. I think the, the climbing and like the, the mountains were probably some of the most challenging climbing I'd done. Like the trail, they say the PCT is graded for horses. I would say this one is graded for like mountain goats. <laughs> it's a lot of like, there's a lot of bouldering and some scrambling and like, like you have to climb over things yeah. sometimes. And in the Pyrenees I did, there's a, there are a couple of alternates you can take. So I took an alternate that took me through the high Pyrenees and it's a route. It's not a trail. So you're just, you have your GPS and then you have a big wide open field of like rocks and mountains. And they're like, you kind of need to go over there. And then you just pick your way through it, oh which is very fun. And uh, that was something I hadn't really done before. I hadn't done route finding. I hadn't done, you're kind of looking for these little like cairns, you know, the rock yeah, yeah. stacks. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, but you're looking for like little rock stacks in a giant field of rocks. So you're like, ah, okay, well, whatever. I need to go that way generally. So we'll figure it out. Sometimes you got to backtrack and go different directions, but that was a lot of fun. Um, so I think that those types of things made it more physically challenging, um, but you're less remote than you are on like most American trails because like the U.S. is just so big that you don't have as many like little villages. Like people have been living in France for yeah. way longer than like the U.S. has been settled. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We've been living there for a long time, but like, um, so there's little villages and there's little like shepherd houses and things along the way that you feel a little closer to civilization. You're still out in the mountains, but like, you know, you run into like, oh, there's like a little shepherd house. So it kind of reminds you like, oh yeah, there are people around yeah, and your food carries are shorter. So you're doing like two to five days versus like four to seven, you know, so it's a little bit nicer that way. Yeah. Mm. So because I want you to write a book, do you keep like a journal while you're out and about? Or like, what are these thoughts going through your mind while you have so much time to yourself? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of it becomes kind of meditative where you're not really thinking. You're just sort of, I mean, I think it's one of the things I really like about writing because it really gives you the chance to be super present. Mm-hmm. And also, yeah, sure, you get time to like process things and think about things, but you also realize like what your thought loops are. And you're like, oh, I've been thinking about this for a whole day. Let's think about something different. Or like maybe that thought is not very helpful. And you get to like process things, which is fun. And then, you know, kind of like let them go. And then, yeah, a lot of the time you're just sort of meditating. You're thinking about where your feet are going and you're focused on the trail and you're in that like flow state. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as far as like, yeah, keeping track of it. I vlogged the whole thing. So I would like talk to my camera and I would, you know, make little videos and whatever. And then for the first like six weeks, I kept a journal, but then I would get so tired that I would like fall asleep on my journal at night. <laughs> I wake up in the morning like, oh, I didn't do a very good job of that. Um, so it got harder to write. I had like a tiny notebook that I would yeah jot down notes in and I would take notes on my phone and things and just talk to my camera. Um, but yeah. Yeah, so I have I have multiple little pieces of my thoughts coming through. Yeah. In this vlog, is it like, do you have a YouTube or is it just kind of like for your memories? Okay. Yeah, so I vlogged the whole thing and I posted like regular updates to YouTube. I'm still editing the last like, I don't know, like third of the videos because they take a yeah. long time. And we have to like edit them in your tent at night. You're like, oh my God, this is the last thing I want to do. Oh, exactly. Because yeah. you're falling asleep at nine o'clock. <laughs> No, that's really um, cool. We'll um, have to link your YouTube. Yeah, I would love yeah, that. We'll, we'll definitely link to that and we'll give you an opportunity before we wrap things up to kind of mm-hmm. say like Instagram handle, YouTube, all of that kind of stuff. But I am just so curious because you were talking about like you fell in love with it because of the freedom. So now that you, you just sound so independent and fearless and brave yeah. and all of those adjectives, do you have any kind of desire to like get back into like a a marriage in the future, have children, like any of that. It's just so interesting to hear Mm -hmm. you talk and then think about like this life that you had before. Is there any kind of like drawback to any version of that? Yeah. Mm, That is an interesting question. (laughs) I, I guess over this sort of last six or eight years of kind of really developing who I am as a person and like what's important to me and what I like and what I don't like and, you know, rebuilding my values and, you know, really just coming to terms with who I am as a person. Uh, I have 
become a lot more clear on like what I want and what I don't want and what I tolerate and what I don't tolerate and those types of things. And so I think as far as like relationships or like, you know, marriage or those kinds of things, I'm not opposed to that, but I am mm-hmm. a lot more clear on like what that looks like and what's okay with me yeah. and uh, you know, what type of partnership I would be looking for in that case. And it's, it's nothing like <laughs> what I had the first time around, uh-huh. you know, when you do, the, well, I mean, and also like when you live the kind of lifestyle that I live, it's not necessarily conducive to long-term partnership. Like not a lot of people are totally cool with you like running away to the mountains for four months without cell service. They're going to be like, excuse me, you're going to what? So I don't know what that looks like, honestly. And I am not super worried about it for now. Like I'm, awesome. you know, I'm 34. I'm not super interested in having kids. Like, you know, everyone's like never say never and I'm kind of like well yeah I still don't feel the urge so I I don't think it's something you should do on a whim I think that's a choice you really want to do because you can't put them back (laughs) Um, (laughs) exactly exactly. so at the moment I'm really just kind of doing my thing and not worried about it flow yeah Yeah. what about um with religion again Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. for me I've kind of experienced god quote unquote in a new way with the hiking that i've done Mm -hmm. do you feel like you could put yourself in some kind of label like oh yeah i do identify as like a christian or like whatever you would say or are you just kind of like i figured it out for myself and i'm kind of like settled in that and it's comfortable for me it's definitely closer to the latter so i don't particularly believe in god or especially this image that like most people have of God, you know, this idea of some man sitting up there judging everybody. Like that's, that's not what I see, but I love, especially when I'm out in nature, this like connection to the universe at large and like humanity at large. And I love the feeling when I'm like standing on a mountain or like standing under the stars and you feel like so very small. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I'm the only person out here. But also at the same time, like there's so many people out here like feeling the same feeling and like that sort of universal intelligence or like universal human connection. That's really what I what I love about being in nature is I really feel connected to like me as a person and like the world as a whole. And that that's good enough for me. I don't have to have the answers and I'm totally okay with not knowing. Mm -hmm. Wow. I love that. That's like you gotta write a book or something. Like I would one hundred percent read that a movie, something, okay. the whole thing. Like Mormonism, like everything. Oh, there's so much more that I could just keep asking and going on. Like I'm oh, so that. intrigued. It's very very cool, and I want to applaud you for never. I don't know how to describe it. Like you always seem to have this like inner voice where you were like, I know I actually want to figure this out for myself mm-hmm. or this doesn't feel right for me. And like taking time to really sit in that yeah. and actively doing something about it. Cause I feel like mm-hmm. as female specifically, we are so trained to think that like our thoughts don't matter, or aren't as yes. right as you know, our male counterparts or like leaders in the mm-hmm. religion that we've grown up in, you know? So that's, I mean, I applaud you for that because I feel like I'm still trying to like rewire those thoughts in my brain and those neurons and stuff. So even this, yeah, it is even that aspect of you. I feel like you have a level of leadership that 
deserves to have like a spotlight on. So write yeah. a book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of you. I, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. So yeah, I love this. Yeah. How about share about yourself, uh, share where everyone can find you really Instagram, whatever, promote yourself right now. These vlogs, I want to watch them. <laughs> yeah. And um, we'll so... link everything in our show notes as well too, but we like cool. to go over it. Fantastic. Um, so yeah, like I said in the beginning, my name is Lauren Rorick. Uh, so that is my Instagram handle. It's Lauren the regular way, L-A-U-R-E-N. And the last name is R-O-E-R-I-C-K, like Rorick. And um, so that's my Instagram. You can also find me on TikTok at Lauren Explores. Sometimes I make dumb TikTok videos. I love it. Uh, and then my YouTube channel is the same as my Instagram. It's at Lauren Rorick. Or if you Google like Lauren Hexatrek, I'm the only one that comes up. So it's very oh, easy to find me. So and I wore the same cool. t-shirt. That's so amazing. Today, so. <laughs> um, yeah, so like, yeah, it's Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Um, I vlogged the whole thing. I think I'm on episode 17 that I just posted yesterday. So there's tons of bingeable content. Um, that last video I posted is kind of funny. I was having like, I, it's fun going back and looking at the footage because it's like two months yeah. ago, but it's also like such a big oh yeah, you've been through a period lot. of time. And, like on trail life moves so slowly because everything is different all the time every day. And so you're really like, time is so elastic. It's really stretchy. Um, so I'm looking back on these videos and I was like, oh, I was having such a bad day. Like I was so cranky and it's so funny to look. I'm like, oh, oh okay, you finished it. Don't worry. Yeah, like, exactly. I'm just like, this is terrible. I'm having the worst day ever. And anyway, it's just funny to watch. So I'm going to con- continue posting those and hopefully we'll finish the series in the next month or so. Awesome. That's awesome. Oh my gosh. I'm going to go stop. Oh, thank yeah, you. Definitely. I will for sure. I'll make yeah. sure that I hit that follow but um thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story I feel like you have a really important one that could be impactful for anybody that's listening so we definitely want to do our part to get you out there yeah thank you thank you you. you're amazing and hopefully write that (laughs) book and we can share that (laughs) oh definitely and we'll want some um pictures from your trek to post or like share on yeah. our little page because I, I want to see yeah. them too. So. Oh, exactly. Thank you so much, Lauren. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Thank you so, so much for listening to Wand Her with your girlfriends, Sandy and Olivia. We hope this chat has motivated you to chase those dreams, take hold of your mental health, or finally let out that inner weirdo. Maybe even all three. If you're a fan of what we do, we'd sincerely appreciate it if you subscribed and rated us five stars. Talk to you next time.